Tales of the Rooksayer, podcast number one. Join me in the library as we bring my works to life with poetic inflection. Original poetry and prose written and performed by William C. Burns, Jr. Podcast number one, dedicated to the spirit of spring. The dancer. The dancer refuses to listen. There's music in her somewhere, a deep down music, and she's trying to hear it. Moving slowly at first, now faster, she drubs the floor. Faster, a staccato in the skins of her feet. Now faster, ever faster, moving at the speed of sound, moving at the speed of light, moving beyond rhythm. She's nothing but a blur, and like the blades of a fan, she disappears. Naked in the wind. All the great ideas of all the great men and women are but a handful of breezes. Thus fortified, I stand naked. The poetry that can be spoken. The poetry that can be spoken is not the poetry. The poetry is offered as a spring on a mountain offers its waters. If a traveler passes by and scoops the waters to their lips, well and good. If there are no travelers today, the poetry is still offered. Cloaked in a silken wind, the silken wind surges round me, rippling, wrapping its fine velvet arms all around me whispering strange, fragmented tales in foreign ancient tongues of things and places far beyond this room without a ceiling. And yet this silken stranger does not wish to linger, restless, stretching, reaching beyond me, running away, away to dance with a distant sapphire sea. A piece of the wind snags on the back of the door. I wrap myself in the fragment of the silken wind, lost in one thought. All of my words are but one word, and the word dances away, dances as though in a trance, whipped away on the wind, away to the sapphire sea. Untitled number 721. Every window is a mirror, if you look at it right. Rhyming poetry. Does love rhyme with blood? No. Does dove rhyme with love? Yeah, but also with shove, so that doesn't count. I mean, pain rhymes with Spain and drain and disdain, and sphere rhymes with fear and deer, offering a good reason. Poet's Heresy. 
For the love of his muse, a poet commits the ultimate heresy. In defiance of all that's holy in the sciences, the poet bends the rules of cause and effect, so that through his humble offerings to his muse he might exceed himself in poetry. In his passion to please his muse, he closes his mind to words and opens his heart to, to whatever is beyond words. What is it that lies within and without words? He opens his heart, thus defying the rules of civilized conversation. The poet opens the journal to a white page. His pen is taken by the wind that can't be named, dances the virgin page, inky traces upon the face of fresh fallen snow. His pen, moving of its own volition, just the slightest arc spark at the nib where the nib bites the paper, his pen, not unlike a silent silver dust devil, dancing a dervish. Who has taught his pen this dance? Who has taught this page, this thin paper page, to hold against all distraction, to hold, to hold till breaking or burning or rain or until death? The poet, silent at last, lays the pen down. The poet now at rest in the alabaster arms of the snowy page, specked with words. The poet at rest in the arms of his muse. Inflection Point I am a reflection of the universe. And as with any mirror, I cannot reflect on myself without getting that whole infinity, crazy infinity effect. I do nothing but indicate where my horizons lie. A dance that implies a center, a chance that decides to take itself, a glance down a twisted, misty, toiling street to see if it's safe to cross. I'm a reflection of the universe, and true to form a fractured symmetry, I am cracked but not shattered. I was a monument once, a granite depiction of a modern dream with a stone heart that could not break, stone-cold hands that no one wanted to touch, granite feet that could not dance. I was with, well, with no real purpose. I was everything I was to be, and it was not enough. Now I'm a windsock of color and silk. Strangely subtle, I wind swim in twilight of dawn. I have become a pattern in the looking glass. I coalesce and swirl, cavort and disappear, undulate in the manner of reeds in the current under a velvet canopy of stars, I desire twisting. I dance the dark waters, liquid in the reflection of fishing lights. I have been numbered, but I walk the pathways beyond number. I have been cataloged, but never really cross-referenced. I am a dragon, a phoenix, and yes, a flying unicorn. I have been a silent moment in a silent house with a big picture window, beyond which the sky turned on its cosmic axle. I have been a teacher of artifice, a speaker for the dead, a guardian warrior, and a casualty of the Psy Wars. In short, I am nothing more than a reflection of the universe, and in a weird and wonderful fashion, nothing less. Food for the heart. Look, if you want to keep your life pretty, don't do poetry. Try cross-stitching or toll painting or one of those other cute little crafts, but 
leave poetry alone. Real poetry is food from the heart. It's very strong medicine. It is not for the weak. Real poetry springs from the place where the cold comes from, the barren house of spent desires and sorrows, the frightful down-under place where cathartic moments thunder against the rocks of your soul. Like I said, if you scare easily, poetry is not for you. <laughs> the rules of the game. The sage shuffles the deck and hands it to me. I examine the cards. They look normal enough, I guess. God, I hate that smile. I cut the deck, cut it again, and hand them back. He rapid deals 13 cards all face up. The card of Fear God and Rabbit. The card of Liar and Priest. The card of Ghost and Virgin. The card of Sea Monster and Mermaid. The card of Dragon and Moon. The card of Rat and Milk. The card of Mother-in-Law and Ignorant Slut. The card of Dragon and Phoenix. The card of Cab Driver and Tourist. The card of Father and Rebellious Son. The card of Abuser and Victim. The card of Demon and Angel. The card of Hunted and the Wounded Panther. He leans back. God, I hate that smile. I try to figure out how he cheated. This virgin page. I lift the fire-tipped pen, bleed it black across the unused sheet, filling the chaste, snow-white expanse with love, lust, desire, loss, absence, and regret. Words to sear this page, to start a slow burn in your heart. Words of fire to feed the hunger, the hunger in your hungry heart. Beyond here. Yes, see, this is the edge of the map. Now look, right, right here. This is the edge. See what it says? Beyond here there be dragons. I mean, doesn't every culture have a horizon, a, a boundary, a perimeter, a point of no return? Look right here. Right here on the left, running left to right. That's the line in the sand. This is it. Oh, come on. Step over. What can it hurt? Oh, yes, I've been here before. This is where the beastie artists live, where the Chinese dragons call to one another in temples of pleasure. This is where the undead poets stalk their heartless lovers, where Picasso painted himself into a corner. Oh, look, here's Van Gogh's ear. Hey, Vince, she wanted your money, not your ear. You want to go back? We haven't even seen the limits of self-deprecation. Haven't seen what social media can do to the self-image of teenage girls. We haven't even seen the total Armageddon display. Oh, come on. Whatever. You go back. I like it here. Tell mom where I am, but be ready to run. She really hates it when I go to live with the artist. M.C. Escher Sky Abruptly the sky went Escher. The grasses became fish, the fish became birds, and the birds changed into the darkness between the stars. I don't know just how she came, but suddenly there she was, sitting in the dew-specked grass at arm's length. Chocolate amber eyes, sable hair braided down the front. Strong in the set of her head and the way she moved, she regarded me. 
They're coming. The only thing she said. She was an artist. She was an artist and I was a poet. I had hoped to tip my arrows with gold and drive those golden thoughts through her heart, thus to hold her in time. I had dreamed of laying her electric blue brain upon my stainless steel table, dreamed of plucking out her soul with my analytical tweezers, dreamed of gnawing the bones of her works and sucking the marrow of meaning from them. I had wanted to photograph her frightened and angry reality through my spectral filters, wanted to taste the sour, acrid smoke of her smoldering loves, wanted to smell the rich, raw lust she had for survival. She was an artist, and I was a poet. I had hoped to cast echoes into the vaults of her soul, hoped to chart the shadows of her surrealistic sunscape, but her heart was always an elusive target, and my hands were too old and too slow to follow. The question, this pen blown by the wind dances the virgin page, inky traces upon the face of fresh fallen snow. This pen moving of its own volition, not unlike one of those computer animations. This pen not unlike a silent silver dust devil dancing a dervish. Who has taught it this dance? Tempest Fugit Time flies when you're falling. Questions to which you should never say yes. Do these make my butt look too big? Are you a liar? Are you asleep? Do you feel anything when I do this? Journey to the cradle of Hemingway. To muse. To travel to come unstuck in time. Relieved of the burden of continuity, pause in the passage, listen for the echoes. Reflect upon the questions in the window's pane. On that Michigan morning, see them floating above the crib? Not the fairy godmothers of Cinderella, but the disquieting muses of the coming atomic age. The witch of Mount Ember, the ancient mariner, the sun, the moon, the stars. Linger a moment. Drift about the room. Touch the dust on the crib. Were there tigers on your sheet and in your chest? A boat, a fish, a little Indian maid made of lead? Did you play cowboys with toy guns? Hunt wild beasts behind the curtains? Peer out the window waiting for Dad? Leave it there. The silence in a silent room. For all journeys end in silence, which is both unfair and profound. Leave it there, this cradle of the master, this monument, but do not leave him there. Snatch a bit of cobweb, a shred of shadow. Fold the memory like hands in prayer, like a wedding napkin, and keep it against the darkness. Tigers in the Baja. She said, there are tigers in the Baja, there are dragons in the hills. There is no time for love nowadays. There's only time for thrills. I lifted the instruments of resurrection, calibrated the technology, and mapped the barriers of chance. We met beneath a moonlit sky. She taught my heart to dance.
She said, There are tigers in the Baja. There are dragons in the hills. There is no time for love nowadays. There's only time for thrills. I held her hand and tried not crying, believing in the technology, praying luck from the gods of chance. We met beneath the moonlit sky. She taught my soul to dance. She said, There are tigers in the Baja. There are dragons in the hills. There is no time for love nowadays. There's only time for thrills. There will be no resurrection, despite all the technology. She is broken on the barriers of chance. A dead heart cannot dance. She said, There are tigers in the Baja. There are dragons in the hills. And she was gone. Dorothy and her trained attacked animals. The wizard made her do it. Assassins are often the innocent party. He knew what she wanted, and he wasn't afraid to use it against her. Yes, the East Witch was cranky, most likely off her meds, and that she deserved to melt. Now consider the Dark Captain. He loved his queen. She held him at a distance, but for the first time in his life, three square meals were on the table. He could see her pain, but he was looking through the eyes of love. His queen is gone, the assassins are free, and that wizard can't face what he's done. To be your angel, she said, should I lose my voice to be your angel? Should I cast out my demons to hold some part of you dear? There are things in me that must be said. I have these dreams of things I don't understand or want. Dreams that must be spoken, spoken out loud, if for no reason at all. And I have no idea if any of this, anything I will ever say, will make any difference in anything, anything at all. And I want you, want you, want you in the worst way, more than my life, my heart, everything. But perhaps I want this more. Perhaps, how will I know if I do not say all the things inside me? How will I know? No, if I love you. I know in sure and certain terms that I want so much to touch you, to be silent in your arms, to share your soul. But can't you see that you are part of everything that I write? Why can't you see? Why can't you see? Why can't you see me? Ego is the id. And what is it that lures the poet magician to this place? This, this place of silence. Is ego? Is isti? Is id? Can't be his ego. He had one of those before he became a real poet. You know, not one of those vice versas. The task is his master. The poem without a signature. Is this thing? Not really. His thinking mind is only involved in the latter stages. The finishing of the artifice. The polishing of the poem. It? Eh. The passion, perhaps. But the hunger is not so much at her expense 
The hunger is for her most pleased smile, the release of her clenched fist heart. Is he the student of Orpheus, seeking his muse into the bowels of the underwood? Is he the broken bird, limping as he sings a plaintive melody of love gone wrong? He is all of these. How can it be otherwise? Silent Dancer She dances, but not in plain sight. She dances the shadow box of her silence. Silently she dances, a flickering candle, a sensual steam above a cup of tea, a leaf blowing on the wind beyond the windows of her eyes. She dances alone. No one else touches her. The definition of love. Love is the shortest distance between wherever you are and total and complete madness. Oh, so many dances. The dance of learning and the dance of leaving. The dance that changes things and the dance that binds. The dance of leaf shadows, the dance of the moon. I would unlock my every joint, stretch every fiber, exceed myself till my every movement, every nuance becomes a metaphor, a monument to the moment. The dance of phoenix and dragon, of love and honor, honor above desire, desire above apathy, fight above acquiescence. The dance of vampire and angel, acquiescence above wisdom, wisdom above knowledge, Knowledge above fear, fear above apathy. The dance of sea monster and mermaid. The dance of zombie and revivifying spirit dancer. Healing above suffering. I would unlock my every joint, stretch every fiber, exceed myself till my every movement, every nuance becomes a metaphor, a monument to the moment. Phaedra. In this memory, I can once again hear her. She was an uncanny music, sitting on the park bench in the rain, somehow very clement in the downpour. She said, Are you too stupid to get out of the rain? Perhaps. Amused with my response, she pulled back her ebon hair, smiled up at me, chocolate amber eyes. She said, You aren't afraid of the thunder? I find it exciting. In this memory... I can once again hold the rich, raw smell of her in the rain. Her face, her hands, everything simply vanished. There was only her. Suddenly, the sun broke through. I tried to hold her, but, but she tried to hold the fire in the clay. But she turned, tried to hold back the light. But she turned away, and she was gone. Perhaps you don't believe me, but this flower never dies, and that is why I carry it here with me in the rain. Ruthie's American Dream This is a quick story that happened in my junior high school. We didn't call it middle school, we called it junior high school. 
a story about a girl named Ruthie in Mrs. Wolfett's English composition class. Come to think of it, it was the same class that poetry found me one afternoon, but that's an entirely different story. Ruthie went to the front of the room and read aloud her story, despite her reluctance to do so. It was painfully clear that she was extremely unhappy to be there, as was the case for just about everyone else there. In a quiet, frightened voice, she read a story about happy people living fulfilling lives in a land of fine appliances. It was terrible. There, was, there we were, after lunch, sweltering in the pre-air-conditioned, cinder-blocked, hardwood-floored terrain of post-Sputnik American education. And this girl was rambling on with a story that had no plot. I mean, there were no energy weapons, there were no body count, and I'm pretty sure the car mentioned was not some sporty model, but the 1960s equivalent to the minivan. Needless to say, the teenage boys present were not impressed. But I was confused, because as she read, she started to cry. Until finally she broke down completely and stumbled back to her desk. Perhaps I was an unusually sensitive child, but I wanted to know why a story about happy people was making a perfectly nice girl cry. So what if her story had no plot? We were in junior high school. No one's story had any plot. Steve, Jeff, and Randy were not much help. They said girls are like that. So I asked my cousin Sharon, and she explained that Ruthie was from Brookside, the orphanage over behind the ballpark. And I realized that Ruthie was not telling a story at all. She was speaking a poem about what she wanted more than anything else in the world. A clean white house in a quiet, safe neighborhood in the shiny city of dreams in the land of fine appliances. The Map Room, Museum of Jade and Cinnabar. Sketch of a Victorian house in sepia ink on aged parchment, wherein is writ the names of all the great men and women who have offered their lives to the wonders of science. Across the parchment rolls an opal marble, a small globe with a stellar map of an obsidian sky, patterns somewhere between constellations and homeward vectors. The marble rolls across the table, orbiting the center of the parchment, making wild gyrating arcs, leaving ellipsis marks all over the table. A clockwork machine is lowered from the ceiling, and the marble returns to its starting point. Zen poem number 32. Reflected in the still water, the distant mountains clear and blue, a leaf floats under the reflection. The clockwork woman finds a lover. But he's nothing like she wanted, or expected for that matter. I mean, he was so, so organic, with twisting and twining roots. He was all branches and bark, sticky fluids oozing all over the place. It's disgusting, really. All she wanted, all she was looking for, was someone, a little something to you know, fill that hollow space inside her. Just a little tick for her talk, a yang for her yin. She read about that kind of thing on the web. Now look at the crack in her world where everything in the universe is free to come and go and time is no longer linear 
and all her symmetries, all her perfect symmetries, are broken. In that far distant place, what you fear, dear sweet flower, what you seek, dear gentle breeze, is in fact fact, but you dare not make that wish, dare not believe. The call you hear comes across time, comes from a far place, where you swore your heart, a place you've chosen to forget, because you fear that in waking, in seeing that it is all real, you fear your heart may burst. The voice comes to remind you that you are not of this place, that you are a swan raised by ducks, comes to invite you to your heritage, comes to show you how poetry is your language of choice, how poetry grows in your throat and sings out in your mouth. The voice comes compelling and sweet, but it is you that started the song in that far distant place. Prayer to Orpheus She said, He left me alone, again. And this is true. He is not here. She said, Why does he come when he knows he can't stay? Why does he torture me like this? He wants her to be an arrow of Artemis, a rainbowed shaft of pure poetry cutting an arc across the morning sky, a glow in the coming sun, incomplete in stillness. He wants to see her dance with the wind sprites across the mirrored surface of the quiescent lake, to see her reflect an autumn skyline, a riotous with all the shades of the leaves. He wants her to be free, for in that freedom there is the essential evanescence of form and flow. She said, Why didn't he leave me to my solitude, where I was content? Yes, but was she content? Was she at peace in her solitude? Or was she so numb and injured that she could not bear the pain of cleansing the wounds, could not bear the pain of healing? Is she a woman or a concrete Gothic tombstone, all form and no blood? Even a stone thing will grow warm in the morning sun. Will not even a broken breeze stir the waters of the lake, casting forth ripples that dance the reflections of a world that only appears chaotic to those who try to impose their own structure? He leaves the leaves of his craft, the meager offerings of his less-than-perfect poetry. He falls away, singing a sad prayer to Orpheus, because he doesn't know any other way to sing. The Geiger Machine, Museum of Jade and Cinnabar the Geiger machine, mechanized emote, green-gray tubes and pulsating cinnabar panels, origami machine turning in on itself to create a puzzle box begging to be solved. Three of Thorns. You draw the seven of rainbows. That smile, that enigmatic smile. I draw the four of flames. You wink. You pitch the nine of wheels, completely nonchalant. I trump your hand, with the three of thorns. Chicken sausages and Alfredo with fresh broccoli. She said, a moment like this never comes along. And I was remembering the way Thomas Dolby dressed when he wasn't on stage. She said, am I losing my heart or am I losing my mind? And I found a place online that issues degrees in reflexology, along with a note about David Bowie. She said, None of this is fair. I thought love made you feel better. It's in all the songs. 
I cooked dinner. Chicken sausages and Alfredo with fresh broccoli. Jaguar Room in the Museum of Jade and Cinnabar. A jade jaguar with eyes of fire, more muscle than machine. He runs across the table, past the statue of a hand, holding one of Dolly's clocks, past a brass apple, polished to perfection. And then he's gone. In a world bled dry, color fades when the tide pulls you out of my life. The color in my eye fades. The colors bleed out of me, bleed out into a river of tears. I tried to give you light, tried to be your mirror. Not to paint you to my liking, but to reveal all that is there, growing. I tried to give you light, but now I stumble in a transparent darkness. I am a transparent thing in a world bled dry. Colors fade. The truth of a hard heart. A heart of flint can be sparked if you hit it right. The dance is. I did the dance that changes things. The dance that calls and sends away. The dance of binding. I move through the storm into the eye of the cyclone. The still point at the center. The dance is. To flower. Fountain and river. Rivers and ocean. The winds of heaven. Mountains and waves. To flower is to be forgiven. Drinking the River Lathy If you could have asked, Is it raining in some future place? Or, Will I suffer the slings and arrows? And got your answer. If you could lift your hands against the sea, Turning back the tide, Turning back time. If you could spin the sky backwards, Rearranging the clouds, Without a second thought. If you knew a guy who could remove that tattoo and wipe away that memory, would you? Amazing facts number one. The human heart beats about 40 million times a year. Not bad for a lump of muscle about the size of your fist. Let's say you live 70 years. 2,800,000,000 beats, give or take a few, because you see, the heart, the heart skips a beat every now and then. Pain and Wisdom Embarrassment is the sound of ignorance leaving the body. On the shore of my soul, the white wings of the coming sun spread across the crack in the world, scattering and breaking into a dawn after a night so dismal and dark. A night where I never slept. A war I never wanted to win. Silent memory of a pure morning. The heavens dance in the arms of the oak. Ebbs the sea of night. Flows the tide of light. Warmth and shadow are reinvented on the shore of my soul. Wisdom of Equilibrium it is true, sometimes your heart needs more time to accept what your mind already knows. 
And the converse is also true. Sometimes your mind needs more time. Wisdom is giving your heart and mind the time and space they need to reach equilibrium. The sun told me. The sun told me he was tired, worn to red raggedness by the labors of the day. And so I watched the sun descend to the crack in the world. He takes off his earth cake shoes, sheds his shiny cloak, doffs his radiant hat. The sun leans back into the arms of the western mountains and dreams of tiny suns strewn on black velvet above the world. Drowsy Repose Let me bask in clean flannel sheets, delicious warm pleasures on rainy dark nights. Sleep, blessed sleep, take me in your velvet arms, fuzz my eyes, zephyr my breath, dance with me. Sleep greets me gently poised, encouraging my heavy eyes to fade into watercolor vistas. Effortlessly, sanguine and enticing, she draws me into her secluded milieu, into her open arms and demure smile, into our spiritual embrace. We dance to the music of metamystical intimacy. Come dance by the sea. Well, if you have nothing better to do, come out and dance. I am lost in this ISO 9000 world, lost in a drowning data stream, lost in a map or legend. What else is there but to dance? So if you have nothing better to do, then come on out and dance. I hear there's a seagull singing by the sandbar. Life is but a stream. Great voice in the sunset. A legend, in fact. What else is there to do but dance? And if you have nothing better to do, then come on out and dance. Because I've seen you when you dance. You twist, twirl, and trill like a dream. And though we are but specks, motes, if you will, what else is there to do but dance? Derivative thoughts. You like calculus? Yeah, calculus. Hang on just a minute. If you take the derivative of the equation for distance, you get the equation for velocity. It is the velocity that changes the distance. Now, what changes the velocity? Acceleration changes velocity, and the derivative of the velocity equation is the equation for acceleration. So we can say that the derivative is the thing that changes things. Well, what then is the derivative of acceleration? What pushes the gas pedal? Desire. Desire changes everything. Reflections, a self-portrait in poetry. Fluid, my silvered skin ripples. Man form modeled in mercury, reflecting the distant dance of particles. The matrix of here now, reflecting the universe. Scoured of all ambition, I become a ribbon in the wind of time, tracing the subtle velvet currents. My arms move soft as shadows. My hands caught up, gliding, slicing through the air outside the car window, swish and swirl, dipping and dancing, sunlight dappled and cloaked in gossamer. I fight it at first, 
resisting the dance, and then learn to yield, not unlike a reed twisting in the turbulence. Growing transparent, mere wisps remained. As one with all things, I disappear. Love, goddess. When the goddess comes across the field of daisies, the beautiful child you always wanted, you will open your door. When the girl is all streetwise and tough and quick, when she's distant and cool, watch just how quickly the circuit breakers trip when the right one comes down the street. I speak not with the mouth of innocence, not the unscarred arms of a child. I speak with the mouth that has been slapped, with arms that once knew the center of the universe, only to have it cut away and cast into the lake. So yeah, I rub my cuts, sometimes with salt. But I'd rather be impaled on the thorns of love than safe in the bastions of denial. Death Defying To truly die, you must first be truly alive. Face it, most are already dead. Vacuum-packed parcels of denial and disdain. It's really boring, really. You should never bore death. She can be so... caustic. Give death a run for her money. Make her work for that kiss. You are truly alive only when defying death. Lies and Truth Perchance in the most humble lies, therein lie the most profound truths. Lies like charity, first offered as Santa Claus. Lies like honor, first offered in the schoolyard. Lies like friendship, lies like happiness. Got one for you. How about the lie called magic? The way that inert dead matter can be lifted by the silent green engine and made to dance as the eyes of a child. The splendor of the flower must be reinvented from year to year, flower to flower, day to day, moment to moment. A beautiful lie must be retold with every heartbeat. The inconsiderate way life has of interrupting your sleep. I am the dragon of life calling, calling to your tired, tired heart, calling you in your sleep, calling you in your day. I am the toast you forgot to eat, that bit of egg you really wanted, the bitters you passed on years ago, the first kiss you refused. I am outside your maps, in the land of far places, the places you wanted to go as a child, the places you fear to go as an adult. Winter departs the lake, on the lake in a day-gone scion, under a sky that was so gray. The sharp, crisp air takes my puff clouds of breath and sequesters them like an invisible magician. I walk dead, crunched leaves, balanced between earth and clouds, sun and moon, fire and water and air. Green sprouts, the silent green engine turning under the forgotten snow. Upon the waters, a drifting wind dragon tracing invisible currents in the still reflection, a signature that disappears. Mount Mitchell, North Carolina. The valley was full of roiling clouds, and cloud pieces broke off assuming different shapes. One became a mist hawk arching over my head, and it was so beautiful. 
The clouds were the purest white, and the sky, when I could see the sky, was azure. And as I grew into that sky, the snow-covered mountains were just flat. The whole world was flat compared to that sky, and the sky was so beautiful that it hurt. It was so magnificent, it was hurting me to look at it, and I knew I would have to wake up soon or be lost in that sky. The Magician and the Seed Moon The waxing gibbous moon ascends the unreachable horizon, climbs onto the black velvet bridge that arches between where our ardent lover has gone and where he shall rise again. The Seed Moon ascends. The Magician sets aside his hat, his coat, and his vest, takes off his gloves. The ebon night flows, delicate sable silk through his fingers. The Magician sits as the moon ascends. The seed moon, now full and ripe, arches her back just slightly, paints herself with tiny silver flecks, liquid luminescent gems and satin jet above the world, revealing what? The magician cups his hands and appears to gather her ivory rays, lifts her to his lips. Pearl light flows through his mouth, delicate and sable silk. The magician drinks the ascending moon. It is the dance that calls. It is the dance that calls, not bits of glass or wood, nor words of desperation or incantation, not even words or thoughts or anything. It is the dance that calls. Seeking enlightenment and perhaps a beer. I was at the lip of the abyss, as I am sometimes known to go there, and this, well, this, this man of sorts comes walking across the currents of the wind, sucking everything not tied down into the chasm. He was in full archon armor, complete with those spikes and pangs, and such a carapace is never lightweight. The earth kind of shook when his foot connected with solid ground. I backed into a sitting position. He pulled up his face shield to address me. What is your purpose? I'm not absolutely sure I have one. He said, Oh, a trickster. Why are you skulking about? Skulking? That's not very friendly. And your point? I climbed up on a rock so that we were at about eye level. I am seeking enlightenment. And rumor, he interrupted, Enlightenment? Well, yeah. He said, I cannot give you that, but I can give you all or nothing. He produced a glowing sphere. Huh? His armor went full battle ready. I've seen these guys in action, and my danger was not inconsequential. He advanced. I repeat, I can give you all or nothing. Which do you choose? How about three wishes? Because I have a good idea how to answer that one. Will you take all or nothing? His voice grated like a dead man's fingernails on a blackboard. Um, I ask nothing. He said, you are certain of this? Yeah, I'm an idiot. Go figure. Should have done that three wishes thing, though. He turned from me, and all his spikes and pangs retracted into his carapace. He said, How do you figure a profit on this? It seems you have been given up in your quest for enlightenment. I kicked a rock. It tumbled across the lip into the abyss. I laughed, more of a snort. Yeah, about that. I figured that enlightenment was the choice. There is hope for your kind yet. And would you like a beer? Yep, if it's cold and there's no strings attached. Honestly, 
He laughed. Baran's song. And there was in the autumn air the sure and certain sound of heaven, clear, crisp, and bright. Starting with tiny harps, the faintest zephyr of a sound, gentle echoes, silvered motes rotating in the sun, always just out of reach, coming from everything, every living, dead thing. And I realize that it is always there if we have the courage to stop, to listen. Then came voices, deep and rich, high and sweet, voices that transcended all pain and sorrow, crescendos of voice, crashing on and all around me, weaving back and forth to and fro, ebbing only to flow. And then there was a light within the sound, and, and, that's all I remember. My words in you. Let my words paint your lips. Savor them like chocolate as you speak them into silken silence. To light the sky, to know why, you must let your heart go and learn to fly. I don't want it to be spring. Because I was so comfortable being dead and all, I had settled into my lounge chair of umber ochre fallen leaves, let my hair do whatever it wanted to, and generally ducked out of the game. But now, spring. You sing the song of daffodil and crocus, the song of peeper frogs too stupid to know it will freeze again. You sing a subtle, subliminal chant on the cherub breath of this meandering zephyr. You pry your lighted fingers through my curtains, setting 10,000 little motes aglow. You playfully, sexually brush against my picture window, leaving nothing to the imagination. You show me how life springs up through the mud. You assault my nostrils with sultry sense of awakening. You tug at my shirt like a fresh-born pup. You touch me. You touch me, and while I was dead, now I am new. And somehow, that's enough. And finally, faith. There is a thunder in the world. A thundering heart. But under the sound of my every breath, there lies a silent conviction that the world is somehow broken and there is nothing I can do to fix it. And yet my children hug me, my students thank me, my friends speak with me. I have come to see all manner of beauty in the world, in the sun, in the clouds, in the wind, in the sea, the grasses and the leaves. And... So is it possible that this is the way the dance is meant to be? I am not wise enough to know.